Welcome to the Coach Cahill Show, an audio masterclass on how to move the needle on your performance and impact as an athlete, parent, or coach. Here's your host, Coach Cahill. Uh, okay, we're recording. Cool. All right, Coach, so what is the most unpopular belief you have about coaching that everybody disagrees with you on, but you think is important? Wow, that's a great question. That's a heavy hitting question to start. <laughs> I don't know if I have a good answer to that with the first question right off the bat. Unpopular belief in coaching. Um, I don't know. Maybe just the energy I like to bring day in and day out. I um, sense it. It's nine o'clock at night. It's like you just had like five Red Bulls. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, some people don't like that high energy all the time in everything you do. That's just my personality and how I approach day-to-day life. So maybe that, that's a, that's a, that's a heavy hitting question though, to start off. <laughs> so how did, how did coaching find you? Uh, I think a lot of most, I mean, most people grow up wanting to play football uh, and then coaching kind of just happens organically. So how did you stumble into, into coaching? Yeah. So I, I knew I always wanted to be involved with sports. And then once football became my love, I knew I always wanted to be involved with football in whatever capacity that could be. Obviously, we all have the dreams when we're younger that we want to play until we can't play anymore. And I was fortunate to play for two years after college over in Germany. But then once that uh, career was coming to an end playing, I knew that I still wanted to stay in the game because I loved football and I loved everything that all of my coaches did for me. So I knew I wanted to try to emulate what they did for me for one, one player, you know, and hopefully many, many more than that. But I just had so many great coaches in high school, in college, guys that I still talk talk to weekly uh, now in my career for advice. And they're some of my best mentors, but really coaching found me because I wanted to do what those coaches did for me. I wanted to do that for the next generation. And and so when you were over in Germany and uh, that's interesting, what, uh, I know the German league and American football, a lot of people don't know this, but like American football is quite popular over in Europe, whether it's at like a high school club level or like a pro league, especially in Germany. Um, What was that experience like playing in the German leagues? Uh, And then what might've been a couple of differences between German versus American culture that you experienced? Yeah, that was a phenomenal experience. I was fortunate to play for two seasons over there in the GFL, the German football league. And it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. I was never in Europe prior to that experience, and I haven't been back since. So that's what the game of football can do for all of us. It's probably done things for you and I both and a lot of people that are going to listen to your podcast here that we never thought it would do for us. So the opportunity to go play over there was amazing. Met a ton of great people, some people that I still keep in touch with uh, to this day. And as you said, it's really, really big over there. The people in Germany, Austria, Italy, some of these countries that have some of the the better leagues over there, they love football. And it's very unique because it's very similar to the soccer system. And I didn't really know much about that uh, prior to going over there. But a lot of the leagues are set up like that with relegation and things of those sorts. So it really opened my eyes to a whole different style of, I guess, competitive uh, leagues uh, that are out there in the world. But very similar to, to NCAA football in the sense of NCAA rules were the rules that we followed. But it, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I, I learned a ton both on and off the field. You know, as you said, just to be engulfed in a different culture like that, um, just learned a ton, you know, that really just changed my life. 
And where in Germany were you specifically? So I played for the Platling Blackhawks, lived in a small town, uh, about 45 minutes outside of Munich. Okay. Uh, so it was kind of right on the Austrian, Czech Republic, Germany border, you know, so it was awesome. I was able to travel to 10 plus countries while I was over there. And again, once in a lifetime, phenomenal experience, definitely highly, highly recommended to any players that you have that listen to this podcast, student athletes that want to keep playing football, love football, are passionate about football, you know, such as I was, you get to play, you know, and again, you're, you're not going to make a living out of it, but you know, you can go over there and continue playing and also experience the world. Yeah. And it's funny, like Europeans don't drive everywhere, but like to Americans, the distance from, you know, Maine to Pennsylvania, you could go through 10 European countries in, in that yeah. same time span. And, um, I, I, I lived overseas for two years as well. I, I did Peace Corps in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit more East than you, but it was, you know, like it was kids over there love, they were like fascinated by American football. Mm-hmm. Um, although like every time we tried playing an organized form of it, it would always turn into rugby, but it was always fun when like the Ukrainian kids would try to lecture me about what the rules were with football. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, sports are one of the few, like you don't have to know Spanish to play mm-hmm soccer with somebody who's from Spain you don't need to and you know you didn't need to speak German fluently to play full speed German professional football either mm-hmm. um and I think a lot of kids just don't understand like okay like you're not going to make an NFL rookie contract for 350 grand but you're going to go over to a beautiful country you're going to see and meet new people and I bet on all your job applications that's probably the first thing that people ask you about right mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a great talking point you know, it kind of goes into what you asked before, just about learning a different culture, because it was really eye-opening to me that, yes, it helped with the from the football perspective, but it helped just from the life perspective. And, you know, definitely as a conversation starter, you know, anytime, like you said, if it's a, a job interview or whatever it might be. But definitely, you know, how I relate it, it's kind of an all-expense-paid vacation, you know, <laughs> and you get to go travel the world play football for another year, two, three, four, five. Some guys stay over there for seven or eight years, you know, if that opportunity presents itself and they want to do that. So definitely something that any student athlete at the college level, you know, that isn't an NFL caliber player, definitely take advantage of it. And and how are Germans different culturally from Americans? Did you find any like specific like uh, things that were, they were like, I don't know. How were they different from Americans in your experience? I loved it. I loved it. All of my teammates, everyone was just so friendly over there. (laughs) Everyone was just friendly, uh, very welcoming, because we can only have a certain number of Americans on our team. Mm -hmm. We're only allowed to have uh, two Americans on the field at a time. Uh, At the time I was playing, I think the rules have changed since then a little bit. But everyone was just so welcoming, and it was just a fun experience, and they love football. Right. I, I, I think I love football, but you go over there and they're they're waking up in the middle of the night to watch NFL games. That's how much some of these guys loved football. So, you know, it was amazing. And to bring it back to, you know, uh, college, what do you think is the the biggest uh, or I get sorry, when you first started coaching and we have a lot of coaches that listen, mm-hmm. what was maybe the biggest mistake you made as a young new coach and how did you learn from that? And how does that influence your current style? Yeah, that's a great question. And I was fortunate. 
to work for some great coaches and even my first full-time job working at the United States Merchant Marine Academy under head coach Mike Toop, who's still the head coach there now. And, you know, a guy that I really, really respect and learned a ton from. But I think as a young coach, I think we all probably think we know a lot more than we actually know. And looking back on it now, and especially in the position I'm in as a head coach now, there are a lot of times where I refer back to what Coach Toop did and taught us as younger assistant coaches, just that attention to detail and how he wanted things a certain way. But now I look at it from the perspective of sitting in that chair now and fortunate to, you know, have that opportunity personally. But, you know, there's things that I want done a certain way. So now I look back and I'm like, man, that's why Coach Toop wanted it that way. And, you know, all of us young guys at that time, we don't have all the answers. Let's listen to the guy that has the experience like he did at the time. Um, so I would say that's probably one of the biggest things is just be open to, to learn, open to grow and develop and open to, you know, listening to these ideas of these more experienced coaches because they, they've been through the ringer before and, and they know what works and what doesn't work. And then to, to flip it, what do you think is, and we're in the thick of recruiting now, what is the biggest misconception that you find you have to dispel mm-hmm. for parents and players that are going through the recruiting process with you or your staff? Yeah, that's another great question. And I'm going to give you a couple things on, on this one, if you don't mind, because I think that really is a, a really good question on, I think number one is all levels of football at the college level are very, very competitive. I think a lot of student athletes, and I'm sure myself included back 15 years ago, thought the same way, but you think, you know, almost like a D one or bus mentality, but every level of college football, if you, you're getting recruited D one, two, three, JUCO, NAIA, it doesn't matter what level you're getting recruited at. You, you have to have some sort of uh, special thing about you because it's very, very competitive to get recruited at the college level. So I would say that's, that's a big one. Uh, is be open to all levels because you want to find that perfect fit. And that's what we, we try to tell guys here at FDU when we recruit and then we're trying to find guys that are going to be players for us, not just a player on the roster, but try to be one of the players on the roster. So I think when student athletes are looking at schools, I think that's something that they really need to look at is be open to all levels, but find that fit that's perfect for you, a school that really wants you you know, not just you chasing them. And I'm not saying don't go chase your dreams because there's been some great players that chase that dream and it worked out for them uh, when a lot of people probably told them they wouldn't. So don't not do that if that's what you want to do. Um, but again, find that perfect fit being open to all levels. Um, Cause I think that can just really give people opportunities that they never thought uh, would have been there before. Mm-hmm. And then I think the second, the second thing I would say is be aggressive in recruiting. Yes, with all the technology and social media and online video huddle and you name every other platform and recruiting service that all of us colleges use, college coaches will find you, but be aggressive still. The more you reach out to coaches, whether it's a dream school, a school that you're maybe 50-50 on to start the process, still be aggressive and reach out to the college coach because all it takes is one college coach to say yes. And that might be an opportunity that if you didn't reach out, you may not have ever had. So be aggressive uh, to take advantage of every opportunity uh, possible. Yeah, I think there's a a misconception with high school kids that, oh, well, I'm getting all this information from, you know, from FCS schools or D1 school. Ooh, cool. 
Uh, I'm not going to get back to this D3 coach or this NAIA coach. But I don't think they understand that coaching turnover is like almost 50% sometimes mm-hmm. within the college football. So that that GA or mm-hmm. that coordinator who, at the D3 school or the NAIA school that you didn't get back to, mm-hmm. they might very well be the recruiting coordinator at your dream school who's now in charge of your area. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point because I've seen that happen many, many times where a coach has built a relationship with the recruit and then goes somewhere else. And now that recruit now gets recruited by that other school when they weren't getting recruited prior to it, because whether it's recruiting, coaching, whatever profession or industry, any of us are in life is about relationships. So the more relationships you can build with those coaches, the better off you're going to be. And on the flip side, you never know, maybe you want to become a coach. And now, although you didn't go to that school, you might have built a relationship with that coach and he might hire you six, seven, eight years down the road because of that relationship that you built with him. So I think it a lot of different ways where that, that relationship can be, be beneficial in the long run. Sure. And do you find so one of the, in talking to coaches on the podcast, I'm fortunate to like notice trends. And one of the trends uh, I've heard a lot is the need for, uh, difficult upfront conversations with your players um, and that kids are different a little bit now. And maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a societal thing, whatever. Um, but the kind of the old school mentality of just like, you know, barking at players and players are going to take it. You don't have to explain your coaching moves all the time. It, it doesn't happen quite as much now. So I guess what's your philosophy of developing and, and mentoring players, um, I guess, off the field. Because really what, I mean, on the field stuff is fine, but a lot of kids don't realize you guys are only limited to two hours of practice a day. Um, unlike high school where it could go for like six hours. Um, so what is your approach to mentoring or, or your philosophy of mentoring players off the field? I think that's a, another great question. And I think it goes back to the relationships. If we're not in this profession for those relationships and to mentor our players in all facets of their life, then I don't think we should be in this profession because at the end of the day, yes, we all want to win championships, but it's those relationships that we build off the field. That's going to help our teams win the championships on the field at the end of the day. But that, that mentoring part is that's what it's all about. I mean, that that's seeing, seeing that student athlete excel academically, excel socially, get that full-time job off or walk across that stage. We have, you know, our graduation at MetLife Stadium at FDU. So to see them walk across the stage at MetLife Stadium, that's very, very rewarding as a coach. Um, So I think that that off-field mentoring and player development, you know, like here at FDU, we want to develop our players under our system of success, what we call our fast five-star system of success in five areas. And it's academics, football, physical, professional, and mental. So those five areas, you could say they're 20% each and we need to develop them in 20% each and football is only 20% of that. Maybe you can count the physical as another 20%. So the football physical is 40%. There's still another 60% that we're developing off the field, mentoring off the field that will all be interconnected. So we'll help our guys on the field. You know, if they're taking care of business in the classroom and professionally, socially, mentally, that's going to equal success on the field. That's going to equal success in the classroom. So I think it's all interconnected to develop that full, well-rounded player. And, and so that's a perfect segue into your podcast, your Fast Five podcast. Um, 
which now that I'm looking at it, that's a great marketing move from a recruiting standpoint because yep. now you have a, a dedicated podcast on Spotify, iTunes, whatever that like showcases your culture and you could just tell a parent, Hey, like I could tell you all this stuff, but go check out our podcast, go check out who we're talking to. Um, so talk to me about the podcast. Yeah. Uh, why did you create it and why should we listen to it? Or why would you like us to listen to it? Well, I appreciate you giving the podcast a shout out. It's the fast five star podcast. And what fast five star is it? It started when I was offensive coordinator here and it was kind of our offensive system of success. And then when I got promoted to head coach here at FDU, it became our full program system of success. And it's all encompassing. It's on field, off field, player development, recruiting, alumni, but it really aligns our entire organization in one direction. And then in talking with our SID, uh, Andrew Romanella, um, who has his own podcast network, uh, we were just brainstorming some ideas of things we can do to just keep branding our football program. Just real, real quick, what does SID mean for the listeners? Sports Information Director. Gotcha, cool. And he's, he's no longer the SID at FDU. Um, still, is an, he's an assistant baseball coach, but big shout out to him. And I'm really thankful for the opportunity he gave me because he was the one that was like, hey, let's start a podcast for you. Uh, so we started the Fast Five Star Podcast. Uh, it's every Friday. Uh, we release episodes. First episode was January 1st of this year. And it's been phenomenal. Uh, we really talk about leadership, culture, development, and the process of becoming a champion. Uh, and early on, there were some episodes where we talked about our culture and our system of success and our values. So those are things that we were able to send recruits and really build our fast five-star brand, which is FDU, FDU football um, in the recruiting community, the coaching community. Uh, and then from there, now it's really blossomed into something that we never thought would happen this quickly. Uh, we, we just recently had Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner on. Uh, he spent so much time with us that it was a, a two-week, two-episode special. We've had coaches in the SEC. We've had athletic directors at the Division I level, business leaders, high school coaches. My former offensive coordinator from college, who's now the offensive coordinator for the Calgary Stampeders in the CFL. Uh, and we have some, some big-time guests lined up that it's really taken on a life of its own. So I, I, I have learned a ton. You know, we started it to really build our brand, but talk about professional development. I'm, I'm getting to talk for, you know, an hour a week with some of these leaders, you know, so it's really helped my personal growth and it's really aiding in the development of our FDU program because of all these great, not only coaches, but great leaders and people that we've had on it. Yeah, I mean, and I think of the, you know, think of the resource you're creating to for your players where you know you you have a coaching staff that is actively mm -hmm. going out and networking technically on behalf of the players that you have now let's say you got a kid who wants to do sports information and you say hey i got a buddy in the cfl let me put you in touch with him mm -hmm. um and, and like i think a lot of people wait um they're like kind of waiting for somebody to give them permission to like do something like start a podcast or start your own mm -hmm. business or want to be a head coach like you know like you don't need, I mean, it's nice. It's good to have support. Don't get me wrong, but you know, a, a podcast is a great excuse to talk to people who would normally not talk to you. Um, you know, so I, I think that's awesome. I think that's, that's a cool move in the right direction. And like, had you not had a year to just sit at home and stew about what the heck you're going to do with when you can't coach people, like, you know, maybe that's kind of like the blessing in disguise from 2020. Yeah, it really is because 
this was obviously a very unique and challenging year for all of us, but in unique times come unique opportunities. So, you know, I think we've taken full advantage of that opportunity to, you know, set up our program for success and really brand our program with this opportunity. And, you know, as you said, I've had the opportunity to network and build relationships with people that some of them I never thought I would talk to in my life, you know, and fast forward four months into the podcast, we have a pro football hall of fame quarterback, one of the best to ever strap it up, you know, join us and get, get to dive into his mindset. You know, that was something that, you know, was, was pretty fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I got to ask you, why are you so positive? Not that like, I, I guess like, where does your positivity come from? Or like, and I, I'm asking this because I think a lot of times like people's demeanor, like it's, it's a, it's a choice that you make mm. every morning when you get up. Why are you so positive? Where do you get this like boundless, like well of energy from it? I'm sure your players are curious to, to know too. So maybe I'm asking for them. Yeah, I, I appreciate uh, the question. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, saying that. I, I think my positivity just comes from my, my passion and love for what I do uh, day in and day out, just doing something I truly love. Uh, having an opportunity to make an impact uh, on people's lives, hopefully like my coaches did for me. And to me, if, if we can't bring that energy and passion day in and day out in everything we do, then why are we doing it? Uh, and that's a, just a core value of mine. And it's now a core value of our FDU football program, but uh, just that energy and passion uh, in that relentless pursuit of greatness. And it's, you know, yeah. well, back to the first question you asked, maybe sometimes my energy might be too much for people, but that, that is, awesome. that's who I am and everything I do. So love it or hate it, we're going to bring the energy and make the most of every opportunity. Yeah, but everybody, listen, everybody's got their own cadence and tempo to life. And, um, but I think, you know, it's funny, like, I've been a teacher for almost a decade. And, you know, like, being in the teacher workroom, sometimes it's like, there's some really toxic people out there. And it's like, you know, not, I'm not saying all teachers are evil, but like, sometimes mm -hmm. it can, you know, misery loves company, right? So you're talking, <laughs> you get a bunch of people talking about how awful their kids are and they're one downing each other. Oh, you won't get what this kid did. And I'm sure the same thing happens in football mm -hmm. offices. Oh, you won't hear what this recruit said. Can you believe mm -hmm. that? You know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's very easy to turn into, if you're not conscious about the culture you're creating, it's very easy to turn into a one downer uh, environment almost like that. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And to me, energy is contagious, whether you have a high level of energy or a low level of energy. And to me, energy is not necessarily the hooting and hollering, but it's just that demeanor you have about yourself and that presence you have about yourself. Are people gravitated toward you? Whether it's other coaches, your student athletes, right. are they gravitated to then have that energy themselves and have that positivity themselves? Because as you said, you know, it, it travels in company. So I think that positivity you know, and that, that contagious energy that can help us create the culture we want to create here with our FDU football program. Sure. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, and, and kids, kids can see through you, you know, that they'll know if like, and like, I'm sure first, maybe coaches get it a little bit less, but substitute teachers, first year teachers, first day, first year teachers, you know, kids lick their chop because they're like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't know who he is yet. Um, but when kids see that you're genuine and your demeanor, that you're consistent day in and day out, you know, that, that'll grow some trust there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, next question for you. Um, what do you think is, 
I guess, or, or what's your take on uh, mental health and, and young athletes? And I guess it's not really, I say young athletes, but, but really young people everywhere, mm-hmm. athletes, no athletes, and any guidance counselor in high school will tell you like they're, they're swamped, mm-hmm. um, particularly with, with COVID not really helping and exacerbating pre-existing issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, y- young kids are, are going through, whether it's through more self-reporting or more being open about it, I, it's kind of hard to tell, but there definitely is an issue with, with mental health. And obviously like that news broke today of, or I guess by the time it's recorded and kind of be repetitive, but you know, Cole Brennan passed away. One of the best all time. I remember watching him and they sling that thing. And he set all sorts of passing records. And, um, and, and then there was the player from Texas uh, maybe last week and a couple other players from Columbia. And, and listen, it, they never disclosed exactly what happened, whether it's, overdose or substance abuse or, or suicide whatever um the, the principle is that they're they're gone um and i think that these are from obviously football will give it a bigger spotlight because of how popular football is mm-hmm. but it seems like mental health across all sports and i guess high school in general is is up um and football has this rough and tumble stereotype of all oh, you know like bury your feelings and grind through it and don't get me wrong. I love a good Eric Thomas video on Twitter, <laughs> you know, like, but you can't live your life totally like an Eric Thomas hype video all the time. Um, so I guess what's your take on trying to normalize mm-hmm. opening up about what's going on uh, with your players? I think mental health is of the utmost importance. I'll even, you know, just refer back to our player development program here at FDU, those five areas mental development is one of those areas, you know, and there's certain things that we'll do with our players. And I think a lot of that does come down to the relationships you build with them. And if you have the trust of your players and you do things to get to know who they are as a person, not just the football player, but have those conversations, whether it's group conversations, individual conversations, get to know them outside of football. Why do they play the game? Learn a little bit about their family. Why do they wear, you know, number 14, whatever it might be because now they will open up a little bit more to you. Because I think as you and I both know, and probably all of your listeners will attest to, all of us football players, you know, aren't gonna be the ones that wanna open up. You know, I look back at myself 12, 14, 15 years ago when I was a player, you know, I probably wouldn't have opened up to my coaches, you know, until I got to know them. But then once I got to know them, again, those are guys that I still talk to weekly now because of those relationships I built. So hopefully, you know, that's one of the reasons going back to why I got into coaching. Hopefully I've built some of those relationships with our players that they do want to come and, and talk to us about whatever's going on in their life. Sure. Yeah, no, totally. And um, is there, um, is there a particular coach that comes to mind who you've come across who was like really unorthodox or quirky or unconventional? Um, and if so, what was it about their coaching style that was weird or, or unconventional that like really got the, their players to listen? I'm kind of curious. Of, it seems like the more, the, the wackier coach is, it seems like all the really good coaches are nuts in, in some facet. So I'm curious if you had any of those uh, acquaintances or experiences. I don't know if one comes to mind of a quirky uh, coach that I've had. But two guys just in the profession, I don't know either one of them, but both highly, highly successful uh, and guys that I like to 
study, you know, and learn for myself. One would be Mike Leach. Uh, and I think he, he, everyone would say he's outside the box and a lot of the things he does, but I get, he, he gets his players to play for him. Sure. And then the other one would be PJ Fleck at the university of Minnesota. And he's had success everywhere he's been, whether it's Western Michigan now at Minnesota and there's things that he does and people question, Oh, why do you do a B or C or the energy he has or row the boat and some of the other mantras he has, but he's consistent day in and day out. He's consistent and authentically that's him. Uh, and a lot of coaches may question it, but he's had success everywhere he's been. So that's probably two guys that are a little bit outside the box with some of the things they do that I like to study and, you know, try to emulate some of the they, things they do uh, in my career. Sure. And, and is there a, uh, you've worked with tons of players. Um, do you have a particular uh, success story of a player you worked really hard with um, that, you know, I, I think, you know, no, nobody coaches for, for the seven figure paycheck. Right. Um, but, but coaches could live for months off of a good compliment or like a good success story. So I'm curious, do you have a, a success story that like kind of refuels you when you might be feeling low in the tank? Yeah, I'll even go back. And I don't know when this re podcast episode is going to be released, but uh, last night, May 10th, uh, we had our FDU athletics virtual awards banquet and one of our senior running backs, uh, Al Blackman, who we're fortunate and blessed. He'll be back for his fifth year next year. Phenomenal player, but he won an award last night called the Wade Watkins Award, uh, which is an on and more importantly, off the field award, you know, and it was a virtual banquet, banquet. So when he got announced as the winner, we were texting, you know, and just him saying, you know, thank you coach for helping develop me, you know, helping me become the person I have become, you know, that that's very, very rewarding. And you know, seeing someone like him grow from freshman year to senior year. And I told him the sky's the limit and the, and the best is yet to come, you know, but that's just one example that literally just happened. And, you know, those are the reasons why you do this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, you know, it's funny, like, it's weird, I guess, because you, you got to win on Saturday to keep your job, but you know, but, but most coaches don't coach for the scoreboard. They coach for that stuff. You know, it's, it's the it's the player who texts you 30 years after you coached him and or it's that kid that you maybe you didn't even feel like you had an on the field breakthrough with the kid. But then like years later, they come back and I'm like, hey, I really appreciated that. Um, you never, you know, you can plant a seed, but you can't yell at a flower to grow. You know, it's going to do its own thing at its own time. And I think a lot of times as coaches, we like we, we almost try to like force a player to grow. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, you're, the kids are going to grow in their own different times. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone's going to be unique to them. And I think that will go back to the relationships as coaches, us getting to know our players to see how they're going to grow and see how we can push them past those perceived limits that they think they have. And that's something that we talk about with our, our guys is, you know, push yourself past that per perceived limit. Cause that's when you're truly going to grow and develop yourself into the, the best version on and off the field that you could be. Yeah. It's almost like, and it's, you know, it's interesting as a coach so, because we all have, I feel like players are sometimes like cars, you know, like every engine has a governor preventing it from going 300 miles an hour. Cause mm -hmm. it'll burn out. But you know, most people's governors are set to such a low mm -hmm. you know, speed threshold that um, it is interesting to figure out what buttons you have to push as a coach to, to get kids past that, you know, uh, illusionary barrier that they have. And I guess, how do you, 
uh, I, and this maybe, maybe this is the next question. Um, you know, every player is an individual. I think of like shows like Last Chance You mm-hmm. um, had John Mosley on like a week ago. And, you know, the, the individual needs of players are, are so wildly different. Like one kid might need you to blast him with, you know, every word in the book to get him to go. And that's what works for him. Another kid might need a pat on the back. Another kid might not eat anything and, you know, he'll get it on the next rep. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you treat each player like an individual while at the same time making sure you uphold your standards for everybody mm-hmm. equally? Yeah, that's a great question because we have our standards and expectations in our program. Uh, to align our entire organization in one direction so we can engage everyone and then develop everybody. But in that, you know, at the foundation of what we do here at FDU, it's to be a real family. And that's our core values, the real family and the REA and L all stand for things that we can get into. But part of being a real family is we're all going to be unique and individuals. So the only way that each individual can attain the maximum level of success is for us as coaches as you said, is to, you know, find out what makes them tick, you know, what motivates them because what motivates you could be completely different than what motivates me. And, you know, how you handle coaching could be completely different than how I handle coaching. So I think that's going to go back into just the relationships again, that I know we've talked about it multiple times already, but I think this, those are so critical because if you don't have that relationship, then you go out on the field and you scream at a player that screaming might be more detrimental than helping him because he just doesn't take to that style of coaching, which is okay. You know, that's why we have to, you know, make sure we're coaching our guys up how, how best they'll perform. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, last question. We'll, we'll kind of write it down here. Um, what are you excited about? Like for, for the upcoming season? Yeah, I'm super excited for the upcoming season. I was fortunate to get promoted to head coach just over a year ago. And unfortunately, yep. we haven't played a game yet in the new FDU. You're, you're probably going uh, to get out there. So, so we're, we're itching to get to get back out on the field. But uh, we're excited because our, our student athletes over the course of the last year uh, throughout this pandemic uh, and all of our coaches on our coaching staff, uh, everyone has done a phenomenal job to really lay the, a strong foundation of this, what we're calling the new FDU, uh, aligning us in our fast five-star system of success on field, off field, the alignment we have now in everything else within our organization. We're excited to just keep pushing forward. Uh, and a lot of the great things we did this spring out on the field uh, with the opportunities we had with our inner squad stuff, we're excited to now put that product out on the field versus some outside competition. But, you know, every single day it's exciting to, you know, put the FDU logo on my chest and, you know, the best is yet to come for us. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, awesome. And then final question, um, or was kind of like a lightning round. Are there any books that you would recommend or do you have like a, a couple of favorite books? Yeah. A couple books. The, the perfect pass is a good one. Okay. That, that's more of an air raid style book, but perfect pass is a good one. That's more football specific, uh, other books, uh, that are great one. And this is one that a lot of your listeners may have never heard of tighten the lug nuts. by Rocky Romanella. He was actually the first guest we had on the Fast Five Star podcast, former executive at UPS, Tighten the Lug Nuts, phenomenal book on on leadership. Um, And then other books, uh, Above the Line is a a big one for me, uh, the Urban Meyer book. But I think that's 
you know, you have to keep challenging ourselves to professionally develop and read and do those things to really push ourselves past our limits. What's the one line takeaway for Titan the Lug Nuts? What did you take away from that book? The attention to detail. The attention to detail in everything you do and don't allow important things to become urgent, such as tightening the lug nut that at that given time, if you tighten it, it's fixed. Whereas if you think that's not important, so you let that loose lug nut stay loose, that's now going to become urgent and become could become detrimental to your organization. So every opportunity you get, tighten your lug nuts, have that attention to detail, um, and you'll have an opportunity to be successful. Uh, two, two or three favorite quotes. Two or three favorite quotes. Um, one, one quote I, I love, it's uh, about being relentless, um, you know, and it's when you think you can't go, you know, you, you must do more, you can do more. Uh, that, that's a great one. Other great quotes. Um, love the Michael Jordan one. Some people want it to happen. Some people wish it would happen. Some people make it happen, you know, because I think the best ones out there, the elite ones out there, make it happen. Whatever, whatever that making it happen is for them, make it happen every single day uh, of your life. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, hey, uh, you guys listening out there, make sure you take a look at uh, the Fast Five podcast. Awesome. Thank you. And here's the out. Thanks for listening to the Coach Cahill Show. If you found today's show inspiring or helpful, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend. Reviews and ratings are what help us continually attract interesting and engaging guests like the one you heard today. Remember, referrals are the best compliment.